This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Austin Real Estate Investing. This is Jordan Moorhead. And today we have Danielle Corsi on. She's going to tell us all about her home buying journey and just tell you a little bit more about herself. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Thanks for coming on. So who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing in Austin? Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Austin, uh, moved away for a while of college and spent some time in other Texas cities. Um, but I came back to Austin about three years ago. Um, at that time, I uh, had been renting for a year or two and uh, was obsessed with looking at houses in the area, um, watching them climb in price, especially from when I had lived in Austin. And uh, I got intrigued into what would it look like to buy a home at 24 years old? Could I do it? Um, I've had a, I've had a you know, full-time job for a couple years, um, but I know it's only going up and I know I want to continue to plant my roots here. So what would that look like? So that's how I got into uh, the real estate game a couple years ago. That's awesome. So you start at 24, you bought your first home? I did. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yep. I went under contract, um, when I was 24 and then we closed, uh, when I had just turned 25. Um, yeah, it was an exciting, uh, long process, uh, with many houses that came before and bidding wars. Um, but I'm so excited that, uh, I landed on the house I did. That's awesome. When did you close and where's the home you purchased? You don't have to give us an exact address, just a general area. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm on the east side in 78702. Uh, the home that I purchased was built in 1915. So uh, really old. It was originally actually a um, Sears home, you know, where they used to have the kits. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously it's had many add-ons over the years. Um, but from the outside looked terrifying, definitely was, uh, was labeled as a tear down. Everyone was like, yes, tear it down. Um, but I saw, I saw potential. Um, and I, and I went beyond what I think a lot of people don't do. They kind of look at, look at that one picture listing and there's no other photos and they, they take it at face value and don't dig deeper. But what I did with this house was I actually had lived around, around the corner from it. Um, it's off of uh, East 11th and Chacon, kind of that area, the Blackshear neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lived pretty close to it. And so I drove by and I was like, hmm, that's listed as, it's listed as a 2 one, 1,500 square feet, but it looks a lot bigger than that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, with my, with my agent, we uh, went inside and I think the buyers were like, why do you even want to go inside? <laughs> it's a teardown. But when we did, we discovered a gem. It was a 4-2. It was almost 1,600 square feet. Um, it's an SF3 lot. Um, a lot of things that weren't in the description or the face value of that listing that by you know going a little bit deeper and actually getting into the house and researching, researching the property and the zoning, uh, I think we found a good one. Yeah, and that's great advice there too. So 
you found a listing that looked bad and it just didn't make any sense. And I think that's a, a great place to be. So 1,500 square feet for a two bed, one bath would be an awfully big two bed, one bath. You know, yeah. usually you find two ones under a thousand square feet. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you talked about there was a poor listing and just had one photo, is that right? He had one photo and I believe it was like the, you know, Google street view. Oh yeah. That's great. So the house I'm in, this is a duplex in East Austin, 78721. Um, it had two photos Had one of the front of the house and one of the front of the house from the side. So, you know, just not great marketing, but I came in and I said, Hey, this is a gym. You know, this is a, it's a needle in a haystack duplex in East Austin. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to fix it up and make it nice. And that's exactly what you did. Also, that's how you make a lot of money. So if you can be creative and you can look past things just like you're talking about, you can come out on top in the long run by quite a lot. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I had um, been in several bidding wars before I landed on this house and it was the houses that, you know, had the great photos and, you know, that agent had looked at the zoning and included that in there. And so that, you know, when, when the agent takes the time to, to put that, that those extra photos and that extra research in it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, but this house didn't have that. And I think I learned in the process that, you know, very hard to find a gem in Austin that, you know, isn't going to start up a bidding war. And so how do I, how do I do that? Um, and so I looked at off market deals. I looked at a lot of different things, but, um, what I ended up on was just digging deeper. Yeah, absolutely. And just not having the information right in front of you. I think people look for that as I just need the information delivered into my hands and you weren't able to do that. You had to go out and find it for yourself. And because you did, you got a great deal. sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I know you, you can rent, you can buy a house further out, you know, you can get cheaper deals if you want to be further away. What made you go the extra mile to find a good deal in Austin? You know, so you've been getting beaten out. It's easy just to give up when you've lost five offers or so, you know, what made you keep going? Yeah, I, uh, I knew from the start from renting for several years and, 78702 that, um, this is where I wanted to be, but, you know, had noticed, you know, just how, uh, dramatic, uh, the increase was in these homes. I looked at several other zip codes, um, 78721, for example, um, mm -hmm. uh, was super hot two years ago, still one of the hottest zip codes in Austin. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I really, I had put in an offer on a home in 78721. I also looked at the St. John's area. So 78752, that pocket that, um, that I think is the one area that just hasn't been tapped into as much, but really have seen it in the last couple of years also. Um, and so I think I was originally looking a little bit further out, a little, a little further from downtown, but mm -hmm. it was my dream to be in, uh, in 78702. So um, it was exciting when I found, found the right, the right thing. Absolutely. And what attracted you to, to buying a home? So I know a lot of people would rather just keep renting and pay somebody else to fix everything. You know, you, you went a little off the beaten path and found one that needed a little bit of work. What attracted you to do that? Yeah, it was definitely probably a much bigger undertaking than I had originally thought, but I think... <laughs> The biggest motivator was a lot of the homes that I saw that had been renovated or were new builds either were financially out of reach for me 
or if they were attainable, there were a lot of things I was going to do to make changes. I wanted to change the countertops or I wanted to redo the bathroom. And when you start to add up those numbers, then that deal didn't make sense either. And so what I was landing at is, you know, I have a little bit more of a unique design design style. Um, and I wanted to be able to do all of the, you know, buy a house and do all those things too. So really where I ended up was I need to find a remodel. Now my hope was that I could find something, you know, that was really, I was just making cosmetic changes, but I did not expect, uh, in the beginning of this process to take something on that would be, you know, um, a, a total, a, t- a total remodel from the foundation to the windows to, uh, electrical plumbing, you know, central AC and cooling. So, um, it was a lot bigger, but I think what, that's what originally attracted me to it. I think also I, uh, I loved, I didn't want to continue to rent because I had seen how much, you know, even this zip code specifically had rows every single year. And I knew if I wanted to live here long-term that I needed to buy. But the question was, well, how do I make the numbers work, right? I've only had a full-time job for several years out of college. Um, how can I do this and make this work? And that's where the online researching started. Absolutely. And you touched on something there, too, that I, that I like to do. So I like to buy places that need everything done so I can make them the way I want them. Because if I buy a place that's already okay and it's in decent shape i can't justify doing everything so yeah i'm right there with you i I always land on i need a really big rehab to make it make sense to do all the things that i want to do so i really like that strategy um what's one thing you would tell people to look out for that you didn't see. So, you know, maybe a mistake you made or something you overlooked in the buying process that would make this a lot easier if you did it again. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, something that I did that I did do that um, wasn't intentional, but I'm really glad I did, I'll start with that, is um, I have a lot of people in my life who are um, in real estate Um, and I had actually been looking on, you know, Redfin and, um, Zillow and all the things for like a year, just trying to understand what's out there. And I was at a point where I knew every single home that was on, you know, on one of those sites for about six months before I decided, okay, I'm going to go tour my first home. And the person that I, I chose, ended up choosing to be my real estate agent was someone who was not someone in my network, but somebody who was available to allow me to tour immediately and then knew the market really well. Um, She had uh, flipped many homes herself and has many investment properties. And so um, her knowledge of, of the market and her being able to not just help me through the home home buying process and, you know, touring me around, but actually educating me on a lot of programs that were out there, I think was a huge leg up. I didn't know that that was something that I should have been looking for. Um, was someone who was highly available, but then also high, not just educated on the market, but um, educated on a lot of loan programs, things that are out there um, uh, and available to buyers. Um, but I think in addition, something that, you know, I, uh, I wish I would have, would have known um, <laughs> is just how, how extensive um, a remodel can be when it's not just cosmetic. 
you know, um, I, I had, I got, I had a lot of bids, uh, very early on. I had a general contractor that I ended up deciding to go with. Um, I think that I probably would have subbed out a lot of things myself. Um, just because at that time point in time, I, I had a lot more time in my day to be able to kind of be there and project manage, which is what I ended up doing a lot of the project. And I think I could have saved some money by finding my own subs um, to do the work. And then also, you know, prioritizing what are the most important things to do? I don't have to do it all at once. So I, we did everything from the start um, and on a tighter budget. But if I had said that bathroom is functional, we can wait on that and invest more money in, in, in the future. I think I would have made some different, um, different decisions with our overall budget. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you pointed out something that I like to tell people there and, you know, everybody wants to use a contractor. Hey, I really want to use a GC on this or a general contractor. General contractors make their money on the spread. So here's all the subs down here. They're hiring painters and electricians and plumbers and tile people and everybody to do everything. And then they have a spread on top of that. So absolutely love working with good general contractors. I have a few I use and I've had great experiences, but you have to remember that that's how they make their money. They're essentially the coordinator. They're the job coordinator per se. And, and they schedule everything and get everything done using their contacts, but that costs you some money to do. So, you know, I think that's some great insight there. So you talked about some first time home buyer programs and loans and could you tell our listeners a little bit about that and what you used and how that helped you? Because I think home accessibility, it seems really out of reach, but there are some programs to help you get there faster. Yeah. So uh, I was looking at a couple different programs, but what I had landed on was the home style loan. So what that required for me was 5% down. And then what the homestyle loan allows is it is, you know, your home loan, but also can roll in construction loan. And there's a lot of different parameters around what that looks like, but you do have to um, work with a general contractor and then um, the, the, the loan company will then distribute um, the funds based on a specific cycle as you are, as you are completing different phases of the work. Um, what that allowed me to do was exactly what I was looking for is I didn't have the cash in my pocket, um, to do an extensive full remodel like this. And even if I did, I didn't want to pull all that cash out of my pocket. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. And so um, what I did was, you know, I we purchased the home with the home style, um, with the home style loan, and then we're able to roll in those construction costs, which, you know, were almost $100,000 um, worth of construction, but um, we were able to make it work where before, you know, I wouldn't have had $100,000 in my pocket to just to just spend on all that cost. Um, so it was a very unique program um, that allowed me to do that. It also can take longer to close, but you have to find a really good mortgage lender who has worked with um, the Homestyle Loan before who can get you to achieve that, you know, potentially 30-day close you're looking for. And so 
I know we closed in, in 30 days, but you definitely have to find a lender who is familiar with the loan um, to really be able to move quickly and um, also educate you through the process. That's awesome. And you know, you talked about your rehab budget there. So I absolutely love renovation loans. There's a few renovation loans out there for first time home buyers or just normal home buyers that can make that rehab cost not an out of pocket expense. So you mentioned you had a $100,000 rehab budget. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with a $100,000 rehab budget on their first house. How did you get comfortable with that? Yeah, I think it, it, was, it was uncomfortable to, to think about you know, that much more um, being a part of my loan. But because I had watched the market and I had gone to people who, you know, peers and people in my group who have done this before and validated that this is a good investment, I think having that support and that validation helped get me to say, okay, yes, let's do it. I mean, um, it took guts, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it paid off what we ended up doing after the rehab Um the rehab took like three months, which was super, super quick, um, which is a story in itself. But um, after after that, I refinanced, right? Because I have a little bit of a higher rate than I would have liked um, just with it being a homestyle loan. So I refinanced. Um, and at that time, you know, my home appraised for $200,000 more than I had, you know, put into it. And so that was super validating and exciting. And then, you know, I have now have 40% um, equity in my home that I didn't before. And so that in itself was super, super validating that yes, it was a leap and it took guts, but I had a strong circle around me that was supportive. And then, you know, that was great validation. Um, and a little bit of a, you know, a, 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 a breathe <laughs> thereafter. That's awesome. Yeah. So by taking this risk and not buying a home that's already all done up, you wound up with 40% equity in your home. And it sounds like you've got quite a bit of equity in your home and just an amazing zip code in Austin. You know, so if you hold that for 30 years, just imagine what it's going to be worth then and how much money you're going to have sitting there at that time. I think that's amazing. Um, so, you know, you talked about the rehab process and you talked about, you know, finding this home emotionally, what was the first time home buying process like for you? Cause you know, myself, I got really frustrated buying my first one and I'm in the industry and I said, Hey, maybe I should just look for a nice condo or something. that's already fixed up and I can avoid all this stress anymore. And I'm glad I persisted through to find the right place for my first house. But you know, it's easy to want to give up. Did you have any of those sorts of feelings when you were looking? How many houses did you lose out on? Yeah, I was just trying to write down some of the streets. Um, I lost out on three houses. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, it got frustrating. I think that after the second one, um, I was super discouraged. And I think, you know, it can be discouraging when you're not, you you know, when you're not putting the 20% down or, you know, paying all cash or um, it can be very discouraging because, you know, for those, all three of those homes, I was beat out by all cash offers. Right. So I felt like I had no chance. And, um, uh, you know, I've heard great tactics of, you know, making sure that you're writing a letter to the seller and all of those things. And, you know, in these cases that didn't work out for me. 
Um, but I think after the second, the second, um, bidding war, I was discouraged and wanted to take some time off. But I think, um, you know, picking the right agent is important. You know, my agent kept sending me homes and look at this one. And what if you did this? And I think that helped keep me, keep me motivated, um, to keep going. Um, so making sure that you have, again, that strong, you know, support system and an agent that's going to keep, keep keep pushing and showing you things and reminding you even when, you know, you're, you're exhausted after, you know, the second or the third bidding war. Yeah, no, it absolutely can just wear you out and just makes you want to quit at some points of time. But, you know, you're a good example that if you keep pushing through, you're always going to get there. I want to say my first house took roughly six months to find. Well, five months to find it was a process you know i lost a similar amount of offers three or four offers and then finally found same as you put in offers on places that were in good shape and were sort of fixed up and eventually finally found a big fixer upper and said okay i'll do it and it worked out great for me so yeah. um, not as well as you but pretty good <laughs> Uh, what's one thing you'd tell a first-time home buyer or somebody just getting started in this process? Yeah, I think um, don't believe the things that maybe your parents have told you or that you've just you know heard from um, folks in your life. Like you do not need twenty percent down to buy a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there are so many programs out there. Um, <clears throat> For, for first-time home buyers, there's a lot of programs out there, um, depending on your income. Um, and I'd say first, you know, don't believe what everyone tells you. Like, go, you know, all these kind of things that you've heard your whole life, that um, those aren't true anymore. And um, and also, I think in addition, <clears throat> I think in addition to that, that you know, it's an investment for your future. I mean. I, I think that if you can make the numbers work and you think that, you know, you have a strong plan going forward with what you're going to, you're going to do with it, whether it's going to be a rental property for you, if you're going to flip it, or if, you know, it's going to be your homestead, <clears throat> that there, um, that there are so many options as long as the numbers work and you think it's a good investment. Yes, it's a leap, but, um, do it and do it young because, uh, you know, uh, it's gonna it's gonna pay off in your future. Oh yeah, twenty four. That's awesome that you got started then. Um, that's just gonna mean so much further down the road. And you don't have to sell this property if you get to that point where you buy another one. You can keep it, rent it out, and you know. And then before you know it, you've got a few properties that you've lived in at some point in time, bought for this really low down payment, and now you're doing really well. Uh, so. Did you read any sort of business or mindset books to get into this? Because, you know, you take, you took on a lot and you said you have a lot of support that's in the real estate world and just supportive friends and family, but did you read any sort of books or anything that got you motivated to do this? You know, I didn't. Uh, and I am a, like in my career, I read a lot of different leadership books and I work in technology. So I, it's funny to me that I didn't end up reading any, uh, any books in that regard, but I think I spent every single, I had every alert set up for my email on my phone to see any new listing on any platform possible. (laughs) So I think that was my research, um, in itself was just 
watching, watching the market. And, you know, uh, I think back then it was a little bit more visible uh, to users of these applications of like what the purchase price ended up being. I think some of that um, is not as transparent anymore. Um, and so I would write it down. I would start writing down, you know, the year of, of this home, you know, the bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, what it was listed for, what it sold for. And obviously there's a lot more insight that I, that I don't have because I, you know, didn't have access to MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started, you know, just tracking all of that. And it really helped guide where I wanted to buy a home. I had an, you know, an idea of where I wanted to be, but that had to make the numbers work. And so, um, I think that that was kind of the research that I did and then just, um, got involved in different Facebook groups for, you know, real estate investing, or, you know, started reading about different loan programs online. Um, and, started a long way to help me think, okay, yeah, I can do this. That's great advice. You know, I think it's never too early to start just casually looking at homes and it's also never too early to go talk to a loan officer. You know, those, they get paid when your home closes. So they want to talk to you, even if it's three or four years before you're going to buy, you know, I know I actually talked to my first loan officer when I was 23. I didn't buy my first house till I was 27. Um, So sometimes you need to talk to them to plan, plan your future and buying a house may or may not be in your future, but if you want it to be, go talk to a loan officer and learn what you need to do. I had terrible credit. I had like a 550 credit score when I talked to my first loan officer at 23 and he said, Hey man, you have to go buy a credit card, like actually give the bank money to give you a line of credit and just pay that every month. And your credit's going to get good enough where you can buy a house here in a year or two. So that yeah. worked well for me, just talking to them. And same thing, I was always looking at houses on Zillow or Trulia or Realtor.com and, and all those. But, um, you know, I would just say reach out to a loan officer, reach out to a real estate agent. The loan officer can help you figure out your finances. The agent will help you get on a search to find a house. Um, do this even if it's a few years before. I think that's great advice and do your, your research. So that's yeah, awesome. absolutely. So, um, Danielle, is there a way people can get a hold of you and learn more about, you know, your process and maybe how they can do it too? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just want to follow along in, um, in the journey, I have an Instagram account. It's at East side home. Um, I started it the day that I uh, closed on the helm and the next day we were starting foundation work. So if you're interested in watching the journey and seeing some wild before and afters, um, you can go there. And uh, I still try to post occasionally as, you know, we're continuing, continually, you know, putting investments in the house in different ways. And I like to share a bit about how we, um, cut costs by doing things ourselves um, which is not what, what I had, you know, really done, um, when we did the extensive remodel in the beginning. So we've learned a lot. So you can always follow, follow along there if you just want to listen. Um, but if you want to reach out to me personally, um, you can give, you can email me at Danielle M as in mom, Corsi at gmail.com. Um, I would love to, if you just want to pick my brain or, uh, or learn more about the process that I went through and what I'm looking to do next, I'd be happy to share. I, uh, like I said, it was a, it was a great support. I had a great support system to bounce ideas off of, and I love to be that for other people. 
That's awesome. So you mentioned what you're looking to do next. What are you looking to do next, Danielle? Oh, it's, it changes every day. But, <laughs> you know, there's a couple, there's a couple things. I think, you know, it's very tempting when you have a lot of equity in your home and you start seeing, man, the home down the street sold for that. It gets very <laughs> tempting that you want to sell. So there's always that on the line. I think, you know, I've owned this home for over two years now. And so, you know, I think we didn't, re I didn't ever really consider <clears throat> selling this home kind of prior to that due to capital gains, but now it's a little bit more intriguing. <laughs> Um, but we also do have the lot that we're on is a SF3 lot, but it's like just under like a hundred square feet under what you need to build an ADU. Oh, wow. And so we've kind of been waiting on code next for a while and seeing what would happen there. But, um, you know, I don't think we'll have any, any verdict on that for a while. So we thought about uh, applying for a variance and then starting the process to figure out what does it look like to build, um, uh, build a second unit. So toying with a lot of things, but I'm starting to get the itch again. I want to do something new. I feel like I've, you know, kind of done this project and um, whether it's a, another remodel or it's a new build in the backyard, um, I'm getting the itch. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned ADUs. Um, it's a great way to bring an extra income and add a lot of value to the property. So we have people on this podcast all the time that talk about it. Um, like Daniel said, the lot sizes have to be there, but I think if you're that close, you could probably apply for a variance and you, you got a good chance. Yeah. You're not a thousand square feet off or something. You're just a hundred. Right. It's that, or, you know, wait it out until I think, you know, I think we'll, I think the city will, you know, slowly move to, um, you know, to being a little bit more flexible with that, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think they have bigger things to deal with right now that they're kind of ignoring things like Code Next. Yeah, maybe probably a little bit of a bigger deal than Code Next. <laughs> yeah. So, just for reference, this is being recorded in November of 2020. Um, we're right in the middle of COVID. Um, we just had an election. There's a lot going on, and you know, you had you saw some city projects kind of come grinding to a halt right when COVID hit. So. You, yeah. you can understand that. Yeah. All right, Danielle, last question here. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, it is so hard. <laughs> there are so many good ones. Um, I would probably say Hillside Pharmacy um, because it's on my street. And uh, I love it. It's, um, you know, it's great. It's a great little area um, where there's a lot of new restaurants popping up around it, like Paperboy. They now have a brick and mortar over there. It used to be a trailer. Um, but I love Hillside. It has, it has beautiful design on the inside. And um, the building has a lot of history on the east side. And um, there's a lot of little shops. So I love to go and um go and get their whiskey and beer and fries special. It's, it's great. Uh, and then walk around the shops and it's great that it's in walking distance. Probably my favorite from best fries in town, hands down. And then also it's just a, it's a beautiful little place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. I really appreciate you coming on. You said the Instagram is Eastside house. Eastside home. Eastside home. Okay. Eastside Home, follow Danielle Eastside Home on Instagram. See all the things she's done with this house she has there, and I think you can learn a ton. Danielle, thank you so much. Have a great day, and can't wait to see what you do in the future. 
Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you.